So God is on the move. God is on the move at all of our campuses. And when we say God is on the move, uh, we start to think about, okay, what is God doing in me? How is he on the move in me? And if you've been around uh, hope for a while, you've probably heard us encourage you to continue to grow in your faith. You've probably heard us encourage you to uh, to read your Bible on a regular basis, to, to pray on a regular basis, to come to one of our prayer trainings every single week after worship. There's prayer partners that are available. We encourage you to do these things. And so to ch- kind of check on our spiritual health and how we're doing, you might hear people around Hope ask once in a while, hey, how's your prayer life going? Right? We hear phrases like that. Or, you know, how's your devotional life going? You, you hear that, Right? Let me ask you this this morning for all of us. When's the last time somebody asked you, hey, how are your confessions going recently? (laughs) Anybody? Hey, have you had any sweet times of repentance recently? (laughs) Anybody? No, we don't talk like that, right? That's not what we say. But we, we, We talk about prayer and we talk about reading our Bible, but we don't talk about... That, you're saying, John, it seems a little bit too personal for me this morning. That seems a little bit too vulnerable for me. And if you're like most Christians, if I say, hey, everybody, it's time for confession of sins. That's about the reaction I was expecting, right? Because we just don't want to go there. I'm sure your heart is just filled with joy and excitement. But just at the mention of the word, confess, right? Or repent of your sins. There's this weight and this burden that tends to come over us. Makes you think of, maybe it brings up ideas of, uh, you know those annoying street preachers that stand on the corner, right, with their blowhorn, and they're like, repent of your sins. Repent of your sins. Turn or burn, right? You ever heard that? Turn or burn, right? That's good, because that is my message for you today, right? I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, whoa, I came to the wrong church, right? No, that's not my message, but... It brings up those ideas, or maybe for some of you, it brings up ideas of, of negative experiences that you've had in the past with the church, where it was all about guilt, it was all about shame over what you've done, and that's not where we're going to the day. And some of you just hear, oh, repent of my sins. Oh, there's just this feeling, you're like, oh, I'd rather go, go to the dentist and get a root canal than confess my sins then have to repent, then have to say there's something wrong with me. And I think it's pretty uh, uh, easy, it's pretty safe to say that nobody came skipping in those doors back there going, oh man, I'm so excited to go to Hope Des Moines today. I hope we talk about confessing our sins. Anybody? Not really, right? And so my challenge for us today as we explore this topic, as we continue this series called Living the Story, where we're learning to live out our faith on a daily basis. My prayer is that if I say it's time for confession of our sins, or if I say it's time to repent, that instead all of our response would be, oh, good, freedom. Oh, good, freedom is coming. Oh, good, I don't have to feel guilty and ashamed anymore. What if that was our response? And that is the invitation to you today. Jesus says in John chapter 10, I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. That doesn't sound like a drag to me. That sounds like an incredible invitation that he's offering us today. The invitation is freedom. So how do we experience that? How do we move from confession and repentance to experiencing an abundant life? How do we do that? Well, that's what we're going to explore 
today, and we're going to find out together. So let's turn to Mark chapter 1. If you've got those Bibles, let's open them up. Mark chapter 1. If you're new to the Bible, uh, Deb mentioned the, the, the reading for us this morning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the four Gospels. So it's about a third of the way through your Bible. So we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 14. You're going to get to, to see Pastor John's artwork today. I know, it's really exciting. So Mark chapter 1, verse 14. So when we arrive on the scene, some of you may be familiar with this passage. Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry. And this is kind of his, um, his inauguration speech, right? Or his, uh, his mission statement. He's saying, this is what I'm going to be about in my ministry. And so we pick it up in verse 14 and we read, After John was put in prison... Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. Verse 15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Now here's our favorite word. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. Now, a lot of you have probably uh, heard that passage before. And you're like, okay, right, Jesus' kingdom is here. I've heard that before. But what we overlook is what it means in the original language, in the original Greek language that it was written in. Normally, when you and I think of time, when Jesus says, the time has come, that's a pretty big announcement. When you and I think of time, we think of it as chronological. We think of it as, here's where I start, and there's where I end. Time is moving on. It's, it's starting, and it's moving on. It has a beginning as an end. We're, we're born, and we die. It's chronological as we move forward. And that comes from the Greek word chronos. Everybody say chronos. Here's the thing. That's not the Greek word for time that Jesus uses in this passage. Instead of chronos, Jesus uses the Greek word kairos. Everybody say kairos. 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 And kairos, instead of being this ongoing time, kairos is better translated as the right or opportune time. The right or opportune time. So what Jesus is saying in this passage is that as you are living your life and you're going in whatever direction you're going in, Jesus is saying this is a what we'll call a kairos moment. A right or opportune time. A moment in your life that the kingdom of God is breaking in. And so because it's not you know, this long period of time, it is these moments, Jesus is saying, this is the first of many times when the kingdom is going to break into your life. These opportunities for you to either stop and repent and believe, like he says, or for you to just plow right on through and say, nope, Jesus, that's fine, I don't need your kingdom, my life is headed in this direction, and I'm going forward, and nothing's going to get in my way. Right? Instead, Jesus says, those kairos moments are going to come up. Those right or opportune times, and when we're speaking of confession and forgiveness, those opportunities for you to say, you know what? I have been headed in the wrong direction. God is bringing these kairos moments, not just big things, they could be big things, but everyday instances where we have the opportunity to go in the direction that God is taking us, or to just keep on doing what we want to do. When God is going to break into your life, you completely forget your daughter's recital because you are working late again. You blow up in anger at your spouse over that argument about the in-laws because I'm sure that's never happened to anybody in this room. 
whatever it is. It's um, the, the realization that you had this past week that you can't really remember the last time that you prayed. Hmm. A Kairos moment. And for you, it might be because you're not exactly sure that God's listening anymore. You're not exactly sure that God really cares about your prayers. And you come to this realization, and you have the opportunity in that moment to stop and to move around the circle, which we're going to talk about in a second, or to just keep right on going. To just say, okay, whatever. God doesn't really speak to people anymore. We have an opportunity in that moment to either confess it and do the first part of what Jesus talks about, and that's repent. He says the kingdom of God is here. Because the kingdom's here, two things I ask of you. Repent and believe. Repent and believe the good news. And so those are the options that we have. Not just the things we do or don't do, but the things that we hide. The things that we would rather not address. And I'm just going to be honest with you for a second. I have a really hard time believing... (laughs) that I'm not the only one in this room this morning that came in here with stuff, with junk in my life. Things that I would really rather not have people see. <laughs> Things I'd really rather not have people, people know about me. I don't think I'm the only one, and no, we're not going to go around the room and have you raise your hand and tell me what that is. I think we can just all agree. We've all got stuff. We've all got junk. We've all got garbage in our lives that needs to be cleaned out. But the danger is, I think, is that you and I can go through every single week and come here to worship and go through the motions and never really deal with the real issue. I could keep talking to you about that, or I could illustrate it for you. So back here from the prop room comes out a couple things. In this uh, Tupperware... Uh, which will be going in the garbage after today. Do you want to know what's in here? It's a lizard. No, I'm kidding. Uh, This in here is at least, at least a month, now a month old cabbage. A month old squash. A month old rotten tomatoes. You ready for this? Just going to crack it open, right? Hey, I'm the one that gets the worst end of it. I have to hold it, okay? Some of you are like, I'm glad I sat in the back today, right? Okay, so that's, kind of see that. Okay, it's real. I'm just showing it to you, okay? It's real. Can you kind of get it? I don't want to tip it because there's some juice in there now, right? So this is nasty, right? This is terrible, right? So I want you to imagine with me, I can make it through this. Oh, man, that's worse than it was last week. Um... I want you to imagine with me for a second, this whole area up here is your living room, all right? This is your house. This is where you invite people into your life, okay? If anybody faints, just, you know, wake them up or something like that, right? And you're going to set that down right in the middle of your living room. There it is, all right? I want you to imagine that we just dump that out right in the middle of your carpet and just spread it out. And there's rotten, nasty, dirty, dicky, slimy, blech, right in the middle of your living room. And you're having some people over. You're inviting some people over. And and what do you do when you get ready to have people over? You clean. You get ready, right? So I've got my handy-dandy dust-it mop out here. So let's say you're getting ready to have people over. That is strewn in the middle of your living room, and it reeks. And it's just obvious. It's just sitting there. And here's what you're doing to get ready. Right? Just kind of cleaning up. Oop, missed a spot there. Oh, there we go. Oh, sorry, sir. 
Get a little bit there. Just kind of clean it up a little bit. Maybe I need to vacuum a little bit. Oh, I should probably light some scented candles just to kind of set the mood. Oh, what's that? I'll just touch that up a little bit, right? And you kind of step back and you go, perfect. Now I'm all ready, right? Some of you are thinking, what are you doing? It's ridiculous. You've got this pile of icky, slimy, bleaky, blick right in the middle of your life, and you're not doing anything with it. Deal with it. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to find out eventually. It's right there. Do something about it. And I think if we're not careful, we do the same thing as a church. Every single week, here's the danger of what we do. There's something in your life that's just there and it needs to be dealt with. And every single week we come to worship and we go, oh, another day at Hope Des Moines. I found my way. I get some donut holes. I meet some people. I sing the worship songs. I put my money in the basket. Oh, hopefully the sermon's not too boring. Hopefully I stay awake, kind of cleaning up. There we go. I nod my head. I got some stuff to do afterwards. I'm really excited about the Bears game. And I'm, I'm finishing up. And I'm out the door, another week of worship, perfect. And all the while, there's that right in the middle of your life. And you can't touch it. And we don't do anything about it. Kairos moments coming all the time. You can't avoid them. <laughs> if God wants to get your attention, he's going to do that. And I'm just going to leave that there for a while. You let me know if it's unbearable, but... I'm just going to set it there for a while. And we do that. We do that. And, and, and I don't know, folks, I, I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's the anger issue that you've had for years that you blew up at your kids again this week and you say, oh, I just had a bad day. When in reality, you've had 15 years of bad days. You know, maybe it's those um, late-night internet sessions that nobody else knows about. Well, the God who made you does. Maybe it's that diet that you went on so that you could look like all the women in the magazines, but now it's become dangerous, just in an effort to be beautiful. What's that for you? And how have you been just going through the motions in your life, blowing right through those Kairos moments? The kingdom is here, Jesus says. Repent and believe the good news. That's what he's calling us to do. What if this was the weekend when you stopped dusting? Well, not literally, but stopped going through the motions and it was time to come clean with God. You've probably heard the phrase, oh, well, John, thanks for sharing that, but you know what? We've all got skeletons in our closet, right? We've all got those things we're hiding. We've all got, you know, when you're getting ready for people again and you've got a bunch of clutter and you don't have a lot of time, you pick it all up and you shove it in the closet, right? And then before it all falls out, right, you shut the closet door really quick and you kind of stick your rear end to it and hold it up and you're like, I hope nothing falls out if I back away from this, right? And you kind of slowly back away, kind of jiggle the doorknob a little bit, and you're like, okay, good. But the next person that's going to open that door, right? It's all going to all fall out. Some of us live our lives like that. Some of us live our whole lives pressed hard as we can up against that door, making sure that none of that stuff ever gets exposed. 
Oh, John, you don't understand. It's just the way life is. We've all got skeletons in our closet. What if you didn't have to? What if you didn't have to? What if you didn't have to fear being exposed? What if somebody found out about you and you're like, good. That's just who I am. What you see up here is what you get on Tuesday afternoon. That's just who I am. What if that was the case? And the, the, the good news for us this morning is that you can and we're offered that through the gospel. That's why the Apostle John says this in 1 John 1, 8 through 9. He says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. If we claim that there's no icky, slimy, icky look in the middle of our lives, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And then verse 9, let's read this together up on the screens. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what if instead of feeling the need to always defend ourselves and ignoring the issues, we saw these kairos moments as opportunities in our lives to not only repent, but also to believe, as Jesus says, the good news. Because there's two parts to that, Jesus says, repent and believe. I just want to say this. If anybody ever starts talking to you about repentance, about confession, about how dirty of a rotten sinner you are, and never goes around the circle, and never says, this is what you need to believe about who God says you already are, that you're loved and you're forgiven and you're free, if anybody ever does that, it's not the gospel. It's two sides to the same coin. It's heads and tails. Repent and believe. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. So what if repentance wasn't a one-time thing that we do when, oh, you know, John, I, I don't think I've murdered anybody in the past week. I think I'm okay, right? Confession's not for me. What if instead it was an everyday rhythm of our lives? an everyday spiritual discipline, just like praying or reading your Bible, that's cleansing, that's cleaning you out. Okay, John, that's great and everything. Appreciate the artwork. That's awesome. Uh, how do I do that, you might wonder? What does that look like on an everyday basis? Well, the good news is that we have a lot of examples in Scripture of what it looks like to go around the circle, to repent and to believe as we have these moments in our lives. And one of them happens to be in the book of 2 Samuel. So if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn there with me. The book of 2 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel. And we're going to start in chapter 11. 2 Samuel, for your convenience, is conveniently located after 1 Samuel. Wow. Unbelievable, right? Cool. 2 Samuel, chapter 11. And we're going to read about a guy that you may have heard of named David, or King David, King David. And when we arrive on the scene here in 2 Samuel chapter 11, I want to just summarize and set the context for you. David is the king. He's got everything. He is powerful. He is wealthy. He has all the power and authority and everything you could ever want. Even says he is a man after God's own heart. Wouldn't it be pretty cool to have God say that about you? You're a woman or a man after my own heart. So David's probably immune to sin. Or not. Lest we think we ever arrive, lest we think that you and I are ever too smart, too strong, too grown up, too seasoned in the church, 
to fall into temptation. As we read on, it says that at a time when kings should have been out to war, David stayed home and he let his sinful desires get the best of him and he goes to bed with another man's wife. And her name's Bathsheba. And not only that, if that wasn't bad enough, as he commits adultery with Bathsheba, he says, oh, I've got this pile of rotten vegetables in my life now. I can't let anybody find out. I got to take care of this. And you've heard the phrase before, two wrongs, or yeah, two wrongs don't make a, right. Yeah, David didn't know that. (laughs) He says, oh, I know how to fix it. I'll just have Bathsheba's husband murdered because that'll fix it. That'll make it all better. Well, he does that, and he's like, nobody knows. Nobody needs to find out. God is saying, boom, David, Kairos moment, and what are you going to do with that? David's like, no, it's not a big deal. Nobody needs to find out. Well, God knows. And God sends a friend and a prophet named Nathan. And we skip ahead to chapter 12, so just turn the page. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, God sends Nathan to confront David. And we pick it up in chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan, and when he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. So God, you know, Nathan's telling him a story. He doesn't just come in with blazing pistols and just you know, condemnation. He says, let me tell you a story, David. And he tells David a story about a man who took something that didn't belong to him, that was of great value, and he abused his power and his authority. It's totally a story about what David did. But he's so oblivious to his own sin, he doesn't realize it. And so the story continues, and, and Nathan goes on and, and, and is talking about this, which is David's exact crime. And we pick it up in verse 5. It says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. Because isn't it so much easier to point out and see the faults in other people than to turn around and look at ourselves? David says, whoever did this deserves death, punishment. They should be condemned. Who would ever do such a thing like that? And Nathan looks him square in the eyes and says, David, you are that man. I believe the technical term here is busted. You ever been there? You ever been in that moment? You ever been in that moment when it comes to confession? Exposed, found out? And so as we look at this story, there's three things I want you to to know. Three things I think we can take from it. Number one, who are the truth tellers in your life? Who are the Nathans in your life? Who are the people that are willing to speak the truth and love to you, because I can lie to myself and I can deceive myself all day long, but who are the people that you have in your life that, are, that can tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear? That's what Nathan was for David. Secondly, when you are exposed, when you need to confess, when you have one of those Kairos moments, and not, it's not just about bad things. It could be something the good that happens that God wants to get your attention, but in this story today, David has this Kairos moment, and he has the opportunity to say, I'm the king. I'm grown up. I'm a strong man. Nobody needs to find out about this, Nathan. How dare you accuse me? I'm the king. It's really not that bad, and my sin's not as bad as their sin and all this stuff. And Nathan just says, no, it's you. 
And so David gives us the second key. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. That's all he says. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No excuses, no defending himself, none of that. Just, I'm guilty. I admit that. And that's the second key that we learned is David, a big part of repentance is responding in humility. Respond in humility. No need to defend yourself, folks, because you know what? You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to perform in this life because God's already done the performing for you through his son, Jesus, who went to the cross for you. So you have no reason to defend yourself. Can we just all admit that we've got some dirty vegetables in our lives? We've all got some stuff. And and the only reason that we're able to repent and then to receive and believe the good news is through what Jesus has done. So when you're confronted with that, when you have a Kairos moment in your life, receive it. Don't push it aside. God's trying to get your attention every single day. You don't have to perform because he's already done the performing for you. So respond in humility. And because David does that, we get one of the most beautiful prayers, one of the most beautiful passages in all of Scripture, and it's Psalm 51. And I'm sure that you've heard it before. David wrote this right after this adultery with Bathsheba. And let's read it together up on the screen from Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. And it goes on from there. When's the last time that you prayed, have mercy on me, O God? When's the last time that you came clean? When's the last time that you said the two words that have the power to transform any relationship, whether it's your relationship with God, with your spouse, with a friend, the two words that can change any relationship? I'm sorry. So simple, but yet so difficult. Because a lot of you are saying, if I say I'm sorry, that's admitting defeat. (laughs) That's admitting the other person's right and I was wrong. But I don't want to wave that white flag of surrender over that relationship. Because I'm right. I'm sorry isn't saying what the other person did or what you did was right or wrong. It's simply inviting the Holy Spirit between you and the other person. Reconciliation is what God is after. I'm sorry. Have mercy on me, O God. And that's what the tax collector prays in the scripture that Deb read for us this morning. Jesus tells this story and he opens it up. This is, this is interesting. Jesus says, to those who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this story. AKA, to those of you who still might think that God grades on a curve. You know, you've been there in school, right? In the, maybe those, one of those high school or college classes and the professor stands up and says, okay, students, this semester, we're going to be grading on a curve, right? And what's the first thing you do? You kind of scope out the room and you go, well, they're not that smart. And I know I get better grades than them. Oh, good, I'm okay. I can just kind of do mediocre and still get by, right? But here's the thing. When we try to do that in our relationship with God, held up to a holy and righteous God, you and I like to play these games with our sin and other people's sin, and we say, well, my sin's not as bad as theirs, and I know I read my Bible more than them, and I haven't done the things that they do, and what I did really wasn't that bad, folks. I hate to break it to you, but held up to a holy and righteous God, none of us will ever be good enough. (laughs) 
None of us, unless you're perfect, and I'd like to meet you if you are, held up to a perfect, holy, righteous God. The tax collector found this out. David found this out. I am never going to be good enough. And the only way that I am good enough is through what Jesus Christ did on that cross. Amen? Amen. That's the only way. You're either perfect or you have somebody that's perfect stand in your place. And that's what happened through Jesus Christ. So in this parable, that's what Jesus is pointing out. There's a a Pharisee, a religious leader that says, I've got it all together and I'm going to let you know about it. I haven't missed a a day of church since I I was a little boy and I've read my Bible every day and I have the scriptures memorized and I can pray these grand lofty prayers without lots of these and thous and thines and thouists. And I am so important and I'm going to let you all know about it. And that's who everybody looked up to in the faith. And then Jesus says, time out. Tax collector, worst of the worst, scum of the earth, outcast. Down on his knees, it says, beating his chest. Could not even look up to heaven because he is so ashamed. Wearing holes in the knees of his jeans. Who do you think Jesus wants us to be like? This guy. This guy. And I just want to ask you this morning, are you too proud to admit that you need a savior? Man, we want him to be our we want him to be our savior. We want him to say, you know, save me cuz I'm bad, but we don't want people we don't want him to be our lord. We don't want him to call the shots in our lives. Are you too proud for that? Are you too adult and grown up for that? Or maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day to come clean. And what the tax collector knew and what David knew is that although I am a great sinner, I have a great Savior, and his name is Jesus Christ. That's the good news for us today. That's what they found out. And because of this, they've discovered the third part that you've got to know this morning. You can't stay here wallowing in guilt and shame. You go around the circle and you believe the truth about who God says you already are. Forgiven, free, holy, pure, redeemed, accepted, loved. That's who God says you are. Even if you don't believe it about yourself, he already says, it's true. (laughs) So just receive it this morning. You're clean. You're free. That's who you are. So when we, when we fall into sin, which we will, when we fall into temptation, we don't wallow there. We don't stay down on the ground. We admit it. We confess it. And we move on. We move on. Not because sin isn't serious, but because we're taking serious who God says we already are. He says, this is who you are and learn to live like it's true. Repenting isn't, you know, repentance and forgiveness is try not to sin, try not to sin, try not to sin. I'm going through my life. Try harder not to sin, try not to sin, try not to sin. Repenting and believing is I admit it, I confess it, and God, you are so good. God, you are so faithful. God, you are so loving. Oh yeah, I'm not even thinking about that anymore. Because I'm just believing who God says I am. This isn't the power of positive thinking. This is the power of God thinking. It's who he says you are that we're called to believe. And so today, um, it might be that Kairos moment 
for some of you and you want to be clean, you want a fresh start in your life, but you don't feel that way. Like, I, I want to believe that, John, but I don't feel that way. I feel dirty. I feel really burdened and overwhelmed by life today. And so we're going to watch a, a final video. And as you watch this, I don't want you to think about like being physically dirty, like, oh, I need to take a shower, but spiritually, what does that look like for you? As David says, create in me a clean heart. What does this video say about what God is offering to you? Let's take a look. So not just kind of clean, but brand new. A lot of us spend a lot of our lives scrubbing ourselves and trying to get clean in the sink when I think God is inviting us today to stand underneath the downpour of his grace. Being forgiven isn't just trying to scrub out the dirtiness of our sin. Because of what Jesus did for us, it's him giving us a brand new shirt. <laughs> Spotless. Wash clean. That's the promise for today. We get a whole new shirt. So today we have that opportunity, and we don't want you to just hear about it. We want you to experience it. And so just like in those Kairos moments, this morning might be an opportunity for you to say, that's it, I'm on to the next thing. Just going to go right on through that X, my life. I would invite you to slow down this morning and to just be here for a few minutes. And in this time of response, we're going to invite you to just do a few different things. Whatever, whatever God is saying to you this morning, whatever that Kairos moment, whatever that thing is that's in your life, we're just going to have a few different stations here this morning, and you're welcome to go to any of them at any time. The band's going to respond in this song of worship. If you don't feel like coming up, that's totally fine. We'd ask you to just stay seated, to pray, to be with God. But the first station is, uh, I'm going to come up here and know we're not having a mud fight, but uh, you're going to come on up and there's, there's some mud. There's some gross mud. And we're going to ask you, I know it sounds weird, to just dip your hands very gently and lightly in that. And as you do that, they're going to read some scripture over you. And then we invite you to take those same hands and to place them in the, uh, hold them over the water and they're going to wash those clean as they speak God's truth over you. And there's towels at the end so you're not going to leave dirty. You're going to leave clean. So that's one opportunity. Another opportunity is if you go uh, in the back, there's a station that says take a prayer and leave a prayer and there's just a, some blank cards back there that say coming clean and we just ask that you would take one of those and just write down a word or a phrase of something that you need to let go this morning. And then there are another card that has some scripture on it from Psalm 51, from David's prayer to God. Take that card with you and put it somewhere where you'll see it this week to remind you of the truth of what God says about you. And last but not least, we've got prayer partners all across the back and they can be on the sides here. Just grab one of them. They've got lanyards on and they're not going to condemn you. <laughs> Uh, you just share with them whatever you want to share and they're just going to speak God's love over you and pray for you. And so we're just going to have some time of response and we're just going to be together.
And as you go to one of those stations, you can go to any of them at any time and rotate around. We ask you just come back to your seat and then we're going to close together in prayer. So just, we're going to take the next few moments and just be. And if you'd rather just sit and listen to the worship, that's totally fine. But let's be fully present before the God who created us and let him speak his truth into our lives. So feel free to go to any of the stations at this point or continue to worship. You know, the temptation would be to pass off today as just one more moment, as just one more service. But I pray that we as a church would not be a group of people that simply go through the motions every single week. But that we are a people that look for those moments in our lives when God wants to just speak into us and say, this is who you are. And I pray that that would be true of us this morning, that you would hear him say, you are mine. You are mine. You are my son or my daughter who I love more than you will ever be able to imagine. And you are forgiven. You're clean. And you are set free to share that same love with the world around you. Amen? So as you go this week, go with that promise. And the band's just going to continue to play. We're going to continue to hang out. Those of you that want to take off, you can. If not, you can stick around and pray with each other. Uh, We want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of our church family. And we would love to see you again. God bless you. Have a great week.